Hi, we're Clark and Kim Miller, and we are lighting the first candle of Advent this morning. In the days of uncertainty, the prophet Isaiah cried out, when you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. And from ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen what God, any God besides you. In the midst of our own encounters with uncertainty and upheaval and our longing for the deliverance Jesus calls to us, saying, therefore, keep awake, for you do not know where the owner of the house will come. We wait as people surprised again and again by God, who shakes us out of our complacency and wakes us up to the work all around us. We light this candle as a sign of the gift unknown. May we stay awake to God's activity in the world as we wait in expectation to the fullness of life with God and one another. Amen. I have a confession to make. I was not a Swifty. I know. Just in case you don't know what a Swifty is, a Swifty is someone who absolutely loves and lives and breathes everything Taylor Swift. And honestly, I didn't even know that was a thing I could be or not be. But that's what a Swifty is. I just found out about a Swifty about this time a year ago because it was about this time a year ago that there was this whole thing about concert tickets and did you get them, did you not get them? It was a big thing. I thought it was just another concert. I had no idea that it was a phenomenon. So you can imagine when my daughter's children became, came over to my house and to their horror, I could not answer any of their trivia questions. They said, okay, Clara's mom, what is Taylor Swift's middle name? I don't know. What day was she born? I don't know. What year was she born? I still do not know. Who was her first boyfriend? I don't know, but I think she likes football now. It's because of my lack of knowledge that I made a mistake. I accidentally said yes. You see, I had a whole bunch of girls around me, a lot, and they were all begging me, please, please take us, please, 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 please take us, just say yes. All the other moms have said no, you're our last hope, but you're really our favorite. I mean, come on, you know you're our favorite mom. Please take us, please take us. And finally, I was like, yes, of course I'll take you to the Taylor Swift movie. That's going to be quick and easy. The place I did not know, the hour I did not know, but I said yes. Anyway, I began to pick them up at their houses, and I noticed girl by girl, they seemed to be decorated. You know what I mean? Like they had these things on. It felt intentional. Knowing that I obviously did not understand, I said, okay, what have I missed? What are we dressed up as? They said, duh, our favorite album. I knew then I was way over my head. We get to the theater. We get situated. And they begin to do these stretches 
I'm like, what's going on? Like, we need room to move. I'm like, oh, no. Well, I said, this is just going to be a quick and easy hour and a half, maybe two hours, right? Three hours later, when I thought the movie was over, I began to clean up our area. Yep, let's get this candy. Let's get the popcorn. They're like, what are you doing? It's not over yet. We haven't watched the credits. I'm like, what? They're like, oh, we're staying until the end. I'm like, okay. Lights in the theater came on, which marked the end for them. One girl stood up. She looked at all the other girls and she said, now that we know how it ends, let's watch it again from the beginning. And I said, the hour I do not know, the place I do not know, with whom I do not know, but it is not now or here or with me. Let's go. (laughs) I am here to tell you those girls have watched this movie over and over again. They know the costumes They know the songs, they know the melody, they know the words, they know the players, and they have watched and listened and sung and played over and over and over again. And before we judge them too much for it, we must be reminded that people, we are a church, and church people do the same exact thing. Every year, we say the same story over and over and over again. And it begins today. Our Christian story begins right now. It's the first Sunday of Advent, so our liturgical year is beginning. And as we stand at the beginning, guess what? We already know how it's going to end. And guess what? We know the costumes and the songs and the words and the players, and we sing them over and say it over and share it over and play it over and over again. We know that John the Baptist is going to show up wearing the costume of camel hair and eating wild locusts, and we know John the Baptist is going to make us travel through the wilderness, and we know we're going to hear from the prophet Isaiah. He's going to give us these scary but yet very comforting words. We know already that Isaiah is going to prepare the way for John, and John is going to prepare the way for us. And so as we stand here in the beginning, already knowing how the whole thing's going to end, we begin it again. So on this first Sunday of Advent, I share with you our first scripture reading, which is from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree learns its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that God is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, 
This generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware, keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and he puts others in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the owner of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at the cock crow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This passage of scripture is actually called the little apocalypse. It's not the big apocalypse. It's just the little one, so we're fine. The little apocalypse, though, has what any good apocalyptic literature has. It tells us that every piece of creation is impacted by the behavior of the creator. Every piece of creation is impacted by the behavior of the creator. So down from the blades of the grass to the birds in the tree to the stars on the stage, every part of creation is impacted by the behavior of the creator. And when we will completely be impacted, we do not know the time or the hour or the day, so stay awake. I have to tell you though, if somebody tells me to stay awake, I'm going to bed. I don't like to be told what to do. I'm probably going to do the opposite. So you take me to the youth lock-in. They say we're going to pull an all-nighter. I'm the first one to go to bed. I cannot help it. So I really needed Mark to say, go ahead, take a nap. You've got plenty of time. I probably am going to be awake then. It would have been really nice for Mark to give me a very practical warning that the Taylor Swift movie was three and a half hours long, but I did not get that information. Even if I had that warning, though, guess what? I probably would have still said yes. Even with a warning, we still don't really pay attention. I want you to think back. Think back a long time ago, all the way to the month of September. Feels like a lot's happened since September. I want you to think back to it. It was in September that my son came over to me and said, Mom, I want to warn you about something. I know how you are with your phone. I know how you are about technology. I want to warn you. There's a certain day and a certain hour, and the government has decided that it's going to make your phone beep. And I said, I'm sorry, son, that's never going to happen. He's like, no, I'm being serious. The government has really decided that every single device in the United States of America is going to go off at the exact same time. And I was like, no, really, it's probably not ever going to happen. If that's were going to happen, if that were true, we would get warnings. I have no idea how he knew this before I did, but all of a sudden I started to pay attention. And guess what? We had warnings. There were a lot of warnings telling us your phone, your computer, your device will go off on October 4th, approximately 2 p.m. And do you remember where you were and what you were doing at October 4th? 
around two o'clock? No. I remember where I was, and guess what? Half the people in this building got completely startled, even with the warning. We were all kind of scared. And the reason is it was because some of them went off a little before two, right at two, and then delayed it to. So every time somebody's all, phone went off, we all went, ah! Even with warnings, we were startled. We were nervous. We were scared. And you know why? Because even with the warning, you do not know what it's going to sound like or look like or be like. You cannot control it. Even with a warning, even with knowing what we're waiting for, we still are nervous. There was a little boy, and his name is Jimmy. And Jimmy was laying on his back, and he was looking at the clouds. And he began to name the clouds. You know how we do. We're like, oh, that cloud looks like an alligator. Oh, look, the alligator's eating the elephant. Oh, look, there's a train. You know how we do. And all of a sudden, with, for no reason, Jimmy says, God, are you really there? And to Jimmy's surprise, he hears, yes, Jimmy, I am. I don't think God really sounds like that. I'm just making that up for today. Yes, Jimmy, how can I help you? Whoa, God, what does a million years feel like to you? Oh, Jimmy, God knew that God needed to put this into a quantity to something that he could understand. And so God says, well, Jimmy, A million years to me is like a minute to you. Whoa. Okay, God, well, what's a million dollars like to you? Oh, well, Jimmy, a million dollars to me is like a penny to you. Well, God, now that I have your attention, (laughs) I'm going to ask, can I ask you just one more question? He said, Can I please have just one of your pennies? And God said, well, sure, Jimmy. Just give me one minute. Get it? Yeah, that's funny. If we had God's complete attention, if we could ask God for anything in the world, anything, what would we ask for? What is it that we've been waiting for? What is it on our list? If we knew we had God's attention, what is it that we want the most? It might be money. You might ask for financial security for your children. You might ask for financial security for retirement. You might ask for financial security for the church. These are all good things. They're responsible things. They're practical things. But what are the impractical things you'd ask for? I don't know, something like eradicate the need for emergency shelters. Maybe ask for people to have healthy and happy and safe places to live. That seems impractical and impossible. How about ask for God to completely end violence about land? God, can we please just have people stop fighting over land so we can return people to those that love them and care for them? That seems like a no-brainer and yet impossible. God, can we just make people stop fighting over other people? That seems impossible too. 
keep with our movie theme, though, Alice in Wonderland, when Alice is talking to the queen, Alice says, one cannot believe in impossible things. And the queen looks at her and says, my dear Alice, I myself have believed in six impossible things before breakfast. As people of faith who know the Christian story from beginning to end, we have the right, we have the encouragement, we have the gift of asking for impossible things before breakfast. I think about those elves on the shelves. They're cute. I have no idea how it happened, but somehow two of them popped up at my house. Two. Why? Two. We've had them for over 12 years now. And every day, we find these elves in unexpected places. And we find these elves doing unexpected behavior. And after 12 years... There is unexpected joy in the search, in looking for them before breakfast. And I know pretty much the day and hour they are going to show up. And I know the day and hour they're going to go. But there's something about keeping alert and being aware and on the lookout. It's what happens in the middle where there's joy and unknown. It's something about the middle. There's a middle part to our scripture, and it's weird. It almost feels like it doesn't fit, and it's tempting to want to throw it out. It almost feels like Mark had this extra story and he didn't know what to do with it and he put it here thinking nobody would notice. Because the first part of our scripture, we understand. It talks about one day there will be suffering, one day there will be darkness, and one day the Son of Man will come. And that we get. We understand that even the angels don't know, but we know the Son of Man is coming. We know this. And then we look at the end of the scripture and we even understand this metaphor, this image, this analogy. We know that really we are the others that have been put in charge of the house. Each of us have been given work to do so that we can keep watch and take care of creation, take care of things until the creator comes, until the one comes and takes back the house and us with it. That we understand. But why in the world do we have this middle stuff about a fig tree? Because we know here in Georgia, we don't have figs right now. Figs are in the summer. We don't have figs during Advent. We don't really have that many carols or Advent songs about figs. I just know of one about that pudding. I still don't kind of understand that, but that's all we have about figs. So why are we talking about figs in Advent? Well, let's think about what we know about figs. They're tender. They're delicate. They're very needy. Scripture even tells us that they need a lot of care and attention. We have to feed the figs. So we have to feed them and care for them and prune them and even pick them at an exact time. Otherwise, we miss the whole thing. So somehow here in Advent, in the beginning, we're being told that we have to pay attention 
to something that lies dormant just in case it shows any sign of needing life, care, love, and attention. Because when we're paying attention, when we're keeping alert to whatever lies dormant around us that may need us one day, it could be we see an angel or two and know that God is near. I have another confession to make. It's a big confession, so don't tell anybody. I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the movie, I became a little bit more of a Swifty. I wouldn't call myself a full Swifty because I still don't know all the answers to all the questions. I've always thought she was an amazing singer-songwriter. I've always thought that. But as I listened to the story, as I listened again, somewhere in the middle, I began to change. I began to hear things a little differently. I began to see things a little differently. I began to imagine things a little differently. And I looked over to my left at this row of girls that are just singing and dancing and loving life. On their faces, there were just signs of wonder and all the seasons of Advent all over their faces. And I caught the eye of my daughter, and my daughter caught the eye of me, and we looked at each other for a moment. And in that moment, I knew I had honored my daughter by saying yes. And she knew that she had honored me by asking. And now there's even another something special between us. Having a relationship with a baby, a child, an adult, from the beginning to the end. Having a relationship from the beginning to the end that honors both the creator and the creation. So we can ask for absolutely the most impossible things at an unknown time and an unknown place. That's the gift, isn't it? The gift of the unknown. Amen. One of the biggest gifts that we are given is right here at our table. And we know that we gather at our table very thankful. It's not a United Methodist table. It's not a Chapel Roswell table. This table is God's table, open for all people who wish to receive. And so it's in that spirit that I share with you these words of the great thanksgiving. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, so do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so now we ask, gracious and holy Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. 
And Lord, on this day, we are so grateful for the many gifts that you have given us. So may you continue to work within our lives so that we stay alert, that we are prepared to meet the needs of those around us. And while we are so grateful that you are in this room and in this place with us, we ask that you be in the rooms and the places of all people where they are, in hospital rooms and rehabilitation rooms, in rooms that are helping heal addiction or mental health. Be in the rooms, too, Lord, that are celebrating anniversaries and upcoming weddings and upcoming births. Be in all rooms and all places where people are looking for you to be with them. And connect us and unite us so that we may use our gifts for your people. And so we pray these things in the confidence of the children of God, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As I give directions on how to open these, I would ask for two volunteers to come and join me and help to serve communion, holding the basket. As I give instructions, I did this the opposite way last time, so let me make sure I do it correctly this time. You wanna open the bread first and then turn it over and open the juice so you may receive. 